This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Luminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird selves. So I have been reflecting back, and I guess for me, it's been really an amazing week because I've been able to reflect back on how far I've come in my painting journey. And maybe in this podcast, I can share a little bit about um, the horrible start and what that journey actually looked like. So can I take you back a little bit, rewind the clock to yeah, the beginning? Yeah, imagine of- a, um, a camera dissolve, you know, like, <laughs> we're going back in time. Go back in time. <laughs> actually, I was thinking I probably should have gotten some stuff out of my archives because one of the things that I have done over the years is I've saved all my all my stuff, even the ugly stuff, because I knew that I would always want to remember it for some reason. And this would be a perfect time where I could whip that box of ugly stuff out to show you guys. And I apologize. Maybe I'll have to do a post in Instagram about that. I came to painting, you know, through, you guys probably have heard this through my story. Um, My dad passed away and I found painting when I was grieving. And then it really hit this spark of like, oh, I could be a painter. Worked at it for a year, doing my thing, got some canvases, created work, felt like I was starting to express myself in a way like, yeah, this is good. Submitted some work to some galleries because I had been doing it for a year. I was almost pro. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I laugh at myself now because I'm like, what was I thinking? Submitted to some galleries. Didn't hear back from most of them, as you can imagine. And one of them wrote me this really nice email. And they were politely saying like, no, it's not a good time, but hey, keep in touch. You know, so it was really, but it was a definite no. So I think the one email that said no confirmed in my mind, like, oh, I got a problem. I actually am not ready. And they see I'm not ready. And then I started going, okay, well, what what would that look like if I improved? Like, what would I need to do to be ready? I have to stop you there, I think, because immediately I just think... (laughs) How amazing was it that you put yourself out there really optimistically, like you felt like, probably felt like it sounds like it was going to happen, <laughs> and then you got a rejection. <laughs> it's a rejection. And the first thing I thought was if that, hap- if that sequence of events happened to me, I would be like, oh, God, I'm not an artist. This is terrible. I should pack up all my art, all my paint Uh-oh, and canvas. Back. And like, but you didn't, apparently. You just went, oh, I'm not ready. What can I do to to get more ready and be ready? Which I it's just you're blowing my mind with that sort of attitude and automatic response. So that's great. I don't know if you've got some secret sauce for where you know, that attitude there, came from. There probably is um, quite a bit of story. Too much for this podcast of how that attitude came about. Definitely. And it, it is inherent, definitely, into the way I am. I always, I haven't always been like that. Like, just FYI, like, I am not like, you know, superwoman, superwoman. <laughs> <laughs> with a cape and like steel. Definitely not. Like it, and and it was. It probably, and truthfully, I'll have to ask my husband what he recalls. But I'm probably 
making it sound like it was just in one moment that I'm like, hey, I got a problem. It was probably like tears. Oh, my God, I suck. And then, you know, like it was all of that. Stuff. Oh, OK. But, that sounds more familiar to me. OK, great. Yeah. No, there was Move definitely <laughs> a like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't like one step to, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, I got a problem. How can I solve this problem? Definitely. So I don't want to paint that yeah. picture. And thanks for pointing that out because I'm laughing at myself. Beck makes me cry. So if you see me in the YouTube video version of this, I'm wiping my eyes because she makes me laugh so hard that I cry. So I think after doomsday of like, oh, my gosh, I suck. I might not be very good at this. So I realized I had a problem and I was literally hell-bent on like, how am I going to solve this problem? Because I think the thing for me was I had tried so many other options in my life creatively. I just knew in my gut, like this was my path. I knew, I knew, knew, knew this was my path. And I had this vision of where my paintings would be, you know, what kind of houses they would be in. And like, I saw myself there, I just didn't have the work that belonged in there. So I had the vision. I was like, yeah, this this is the, this is my path. That's where I belong. And yet my reality was like so far removed from what that really was. Here's this optimistic vision, you know, and these homes I envision like they're beautiful. And yet my work was so freaking ugly. Like Let's not kid myself. This was just plain but ugly, no skill. There was no development. There was no point of view. It was just ug, ug, ug. We got it. We got, got it. it. Ug, yeah. ug. Right. Ug, ug. But I was still like, that's my path. That is what I want. And one of the reasons why I did not give up is because I have had um, the fortunate experience to have some professional experiences that taught me how businesses handle failure and systems and things like how do they improve what they're doing? How do they get stuff done when the odds are against them? Because what we deal with as artists is what other companies deal with as well. Like we're not exclusive to failing and having ugly work. We're not exclusive to having people reject us. Like that's common for anything we put out as humans right it was a bit of an insight moment for you then because Mm. you were like I want to up level I want to bring my work to a higher level that I have a vision of and Mm -hmm. then you kind of sat back and reflected well what do I know about how Mm -hmm. to do that and you know ding 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 hang on (laughs) hang hang I actually know a bit about this I do and This is where, again, I'm smiling today because I'm like, life has a way of just constantly showing you who you are on a repetitive basis. And the more more experience I get, the more aware of it I am. So when I look back at that moment, I'm like, thank goodness I could look at my experiences and say, well, what could I do? What kind of things could be useful? And I recalled back to a job that I had created a framework for a really big company. And it was um, something that had never been done in the company before. And it helped isolate a problem. It helped create 
a framework that I could use. And they loved it so much that it became a framework around a whole department of people doing the same thing. And the thing that I realized from that experience is, was that if we isolate a problem and we create these repetitive frameworks that we can look at these problems, we can improve our work. We can get better at it. We can look at it from another angle. So in your role, you were solving creative problems. Is that mm -hmm. right? So you yes. came up with this framework for how to address the creative problem solving and development in your role is the other were the other areas that your framework was then extended and applied to also creative processes here's the thing that I realized was like you can invent your process um, and you have to actually customize it to what the problems are that you're working with Mm -hmm. um, so if I looked at another department and it just applied what they were doing, it wouldn't necessarily work exactly for me because I had a different set of problems. But the idea was the same. You ask a series of questions and then you repeat that each quarter that you're coming up with the new product. So I worked in product creation. Mm. And, and then the other department saw that you guys were using this process and they were like, oh, we'd like to do something like that with our team, with our problems. Yes. That's when it started That's how to be. it starts to snowball into a thing and a department. Yeah. Yes. So I took that experience in the back of my head of saying, okay, I've done that. I also had started a company um, after that experience and brought products to market and had done something for that. So my background in product creation really led me to go, what could I do here? I'm creating a product. I'm creating a painting. The end result is this thing, but I'm back way over here. So I started looking at what are the problems that we have as painters? You know, how do we look at solving those? And how do I create a framework that I can look at and repeat so that I can improve my work and find myself a, on the way so that I have a purpose to my paintings as well. Does that make sense? I'm thinking of you in that creative job and, um, you know, identifying challenges, problems, whatever you want to call them, and coming up with this framework about how to work through those and innovate around it as a team, I guess, would be what mm -hmm. the kind of terminology they'd use. Yep. And then when you say, you know, going back to where you were at that point of saying my work's not anywhere near this vision that I have where it belongs so what can I do to move it forward step one what's the problem because I think you know a lot of artists I know I stumble at that point sometimes we can even just at step one where we say what exactly is the issue that we're trying to address because I think sometimes we get um, sidetracked we might think that the problem is our techniques but actually the problem a deeper problem might be not being clear on what's our unique strengths or our distinctive strengths mm -hmm. or we might think that the problem is in our marketing as in you know how we whether we're posting enough on Instagram but actually there might be a problem more around how we've created the product and whether it's actually the right product like there are so many yeah, different yeah. places I think there are so many moving parts to being an artist particularly an artist as I think 
probably most are, who really has to represent themselves and take their art to the world, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm just, Mm -hmm. does that resonate? I think I did have a, a, a bit of an advantage because I did interface with different marketing departments and sales and um, I, I had a full circle experience, even though I worked in the product creation. So I could separate those for myself in a way that um, was only because of the experiences that I had. So I could kind of compartmentalize a little bit and, mm. and know if it was a product creation problem or a marketing problem. So I think that was kind of the beginning of this process that I, and I scrutinized it. I felt like I was literally like a sleuth, a detective of like, what are the actual problems that I need to solve and how the heck am I gonna get very good at it? Mm-hmm. And it did evolve. I have to say the framework that I um, use today has evolved. So in the beginning, it was definitely a more a simplified version where now, because it is more complex, there's more complex pieces that I've definitely added to the framework. But the basic idea is that when we're creating a product, especially when we have a vision of where we want it, I, I knew where I wanted it to go in terms of where my heart just felt aligned with. And I just want to point that out. Like the other great thing about looking at companies that do things really well is they, again, don't bend themselves to the market, the good ones don't. They really stay who true to who they are and we're drawn to them like a light. You know, we're pulled to them. And I wanted my art to be that same thing where I created something that they were pulled to um, as opposed to me like shoving in like, please take my work, please take my work. I knew what I felt like, oh wow, that's really exciting. Like I, I lived in that excitement and I definitely look at these things and I look at these levels that are above me and I don't look at them as in distaste or like jealousy. I, I'm like, oh, wow, I can do that. Like naively, optimistically, whatever you want to call it, like I put myself in there like I can do that. Um, and I do want to thank my mom for all those post-it notes she put in the bathroom as a child that like said, you can do it. And all oh, this stuff. <laughs> wow. I'll tell you more about that another day. But um, I just have always felt like, well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. Why not me? You know, knowing that that vision was wasn't shifting like that yeah. was locked in. How, how, how I got there, you know, was definitely longer. So I started working through um, the framework that I teach now in origin art and have been using for years in my own work. And it just really started improving my work. It really allowed me to test ideas, which I think is part of the process of any product creation. And as artists, we're so hard on ourselves when we test ideas and they don't work. And it's just like, FYI, everyone makes work, even big companies, they test ideas that don't work, honestly. And I don't look at those as failures. I had before to the point where it devastated me, but you know, through growth and really looking at like good businesses that make things that are aligned with themselves, they don't let that failure stop them. They just move to the next test and they do it again. And so Mm. I started training myself. I came back to the framework to say, okay, well, that, that worked that way. I got that result. 
How can I go back through that framework again and dial it up again? What would that look like? And it was like this framework repeating cycle that I put myself through. And when I say put myself through, that sounds painful, but it was really a life anchor. Like it was an anchor for me of like, it grounded me in everything I loved. It grounded me in seeing my skills develop. And the paintings that I'm releasing today is in this week, this month going forward, like night and day. I mean, you've seen my more recent work. Yeah. I think you've seen pictures of my first work. Yeah. A little bit different. <laughs> well, something that strikes me about what you're talking about is I have seen, and I've seen pictures of your intervening work, like the, yes. over the, the years in between, which is interesting because when you talk about that vision you had and the the homes that you wanted to see your work in, there was a time, there was a stage in your path where you were producing work that mm-hmm. achieved that goal. You were seeing yes. your work in beautiful homes and it was beautiful work, it, it, but it's no longer your work today doesn't necessarily look like that. And there's actually, I think, at least three or four steps of explorations and work, You've each one of which could be seen in those homes and can be, you know, admired yeah. as beautiful work. So does that What's, mean your vision grew? Thanks for bringing that up because I kind of forgot that part that that is the key part of the story. Like I created work that I did love along the way and it did sell and it did get in homes and I could do that. But there was this piece of me that knew there was more to me. It, it didn't always felt like it fully embodied what I was capable of. And so that framework constantly allowed me to grow as a person, grow with possibilities, and it still is doing that for me today. I can still look to that and and use it and still propel for what the next, you know, couple years will be. Like I have visions of what I'm going to be working on in the next couple years. It helps me grow and sometimes it helps me grow too fast as in like just make the work that you have. You can do this next stuff soon. You don't have to do it right now. Um, But I just feel really at home with my work that I'm doing now. And it really encapsulates my true core self. I've heard you say that the work that you're doing now, like when you're making it, the way you feel about it, it's got a certain flow to it, a certain sense of ease or, or peace yeah. about the way it, it comes out. Like it, it, it just feels, is, it, is that different than yeah. what you felt in those earlier oh, iterations? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> night and day, night and day back. I mean, the amount of struggle and pain and, you know, like – crying of like I want to quit making even, stuff even when that, the pieces were successful like, even, even when they were when- successful only because so I also have probably a little different perspective is because of my background in product creation and marketing and and kind of knowing how long a product shelf life is mm. I I am always looking at that as well my brain instantly is projecting how long could I do this for um, that I would enjoy and the market would enjoy as well? And so mm-hmm. that's a real test that I always put my work through. 
Um, and I guess that's the piece that always kind of kept me going, hmm, what, what, what would give me the longevity? I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. Um, as we probably have stated several times, we can sell a lot of different artwork. Opportunities are everywhere. It doesn't always feel like that. And I know, especially in today's you know, climate, it, it feels doomsday in so many ways, but there are so many opportunities. But I'm also looking at for longevity and like what will keep me excited. And that goes beyond the money. You know, that, that for me is is priority. But the weird thing is that's happened for me is when I put that as a priority and the money is second, like the struggle went away, I can raise my prices. It's like all of those other things that were problems just kind of eliminated themselves. So yeah, the, the work is flowing so easy sometimes that it kind of, I have to say, full confession, it kind of freaks me out sometimes. I'm like, this is coming out. Like, I do have stuff that doesn't work, by the way. Tons of stuff. There's one sitting there. There's one in the studio. So it's not that I'm not creating bad work still. I just kind of put them to the side now. I guess Mm. I'm not really living in the like, oh, that didn't work. I do kind of catch myself like, can I force this one? Can I really, can I really push it through? And then it's like, just let it go, let it go. And then as I let it go, something new pops up and I'm like, oh, but I could do a test like this on it. And then it becomes a test for the next thing because now it's a mistake that I don't care about. Does that make Mm. sense? I like the idea that it's like a, a toolbox for an artist because as you've said, As an artist, you have (laughs) literally millions of options for what you, the materials that you want to do, the kind of subject matter you want to do, how you want to handle, um, the kind of mood you want to create, big, small colors, you know, dark, light, um, whether it's a, like a, has sculptural elements or whether it's very deliberately flat like there are just so many creative choices to make sometimes you get to a point in your studio you have all these options but you don't actually have the tools to sort through and decide which of those you want to use and why yes why how do I make a choice that's meaningful to me that seems to me to be the key thing. Totally. And if you don't have a framework, you can call it a framework, you can call it a system, you can call it a toolbox. If you don't have some means for looking at the options that you have and making a choice that is very consistent with your own vision. Yeah. Or with your own, and that's why we talk about the authentic core, making a choice that's not based upon what you just saw on Instagram or not based upon what you think, you know, someone at the art fair is going to buy, but actually, Mm -hmm. because that's the only way you can be consistent by grounding it and anchoring it in yourself. But um, yeah, you need that toolbox to be a, well, Mm -hmm. it certainly helps to not have to be able to work all of that out for yourself. So what I have to say about that, I used to be so passive about like, you should have a framework and try this. Like now I'm like, oh no, really, it makes such a difference. And I want to say the reason why it makes such a difference is if you don't have that, you'll have decision fatigue. And what you were saying Mm. about that is like, 
decision fatigue is real. I don't know what to cook for dinner because decision fatigue, you know, is there as well. But as an artist, like, oh my gosh, the the options, you know, you go to Instagram and like, you're going to do like that artist or this artist. And like, if we don't ground ourselves in what our point of view is, we will never feel settled. I personally never felt settled. I felt really just trying to please other people. I'm either going to live through someone else's dream or I'm going to live through my own dream. Before you started the membership, you were doing um, workshops in person Mm -hmm. and just showing different techniques and that kind of thing. And when you say that you were maybe a little bit more passive at the beginning and kind of recommending that people think about their frameworks, but not necessarily saying, hey, here's a way to start doing that. What Mm -hmm. did you see was happening with them that made you then say, no, I really need to show people more about this? For one, it was not evolving their artwork, Mm. um, not making progress, not seeing where to go next. Um, That was one. A bit of a circular or stuck, not getting momentum. And trying, here's the other part, and this is me saying this from someone who did go to art school, but trying to learn like every technical thing you can learn. Like I saw students who were like, I just need to know everything about color and then I'll be able to make progress. Um, and, And I just, I knew that it was too much too soon. Like people were trying to bite off more than they could chew and then not making any progress because it was overwhelming and they were stuck. The Mm -hmm. other thing that I saw was people wanting to learn um, how to paint like another person and they thought maybe that would be the solution. And very quickly when I started doing workshops, I knew that that wasn't the solution. Like I knew it in my bones from art school that me um, doing like how to technical tutorials, like it just wasn't how I was taught and it didn't feel matched up with the way that I wanted to help people, you mm. know? So um, so I knew that grounding them and them their selves was like fundamental. Kind of empowering them to make yeah. their own decisions, but like better decisions. And we've yeah. talked about asking better questions, like yeah. asking themselves better questions, um, And from there, exploring, you've talked about exploring a lot, experimenting, discovering for yourself, making the next decision for yourself, creating a vision for yourself. I'm sensing a bit of a theme now that I'm putting (laughs) it all together. (laughs) Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why I switched doing in-person stuff and doing more online is because I just couldn't help them in that short amount of time the reality Mm. is art takes time and it is a appealing process um and it can't be done over the weekend it all in one go you know Mm. like it it just as as you were because you've seen the behind the scenes of what my path has looked like and it has been years of shedding stuff that didn't really matter to me along the way Um, but the only way to get there is sometimes to make the work you don't want, you know, to go through it. And, and I think that's the real journey. It's because you can't get clarity if you don't, if you don't know what you don't want. But I think when I look back at, because today 
the the gallery that said no is they've they've approached me you know they've contacted me and um and it's it's just so rewarding to feel like that the vision that i had being the light that attracted the thing mm. like it's it's actually really happening and it's happening on my terms and i just feel really empowered by that i have gone through a super windy journey if you knew all the tears that i've shed and all the self-doubt painful struggles like it's real it's not it's not like any framework is ever going to save you from that but what it does for me is it always grounds me in myself so I can pick myself back up yeah. and go again and again. And that's why um, and that's why in companies, it's, it's a repeatable process. So it's kind of boring in some ways. I know everyone wants to reinvent the wheel and take a new course and, you know, learn a new technique. But this is a repeatable process that kind of really stays true to who I am and opens up new doors of opportunity. And what I wanted to say about that is why I believe in customizing it is that there's pieces of you that we've discovered through this journey that we've gone on together that you're going to want to look at that's not really something that I would have in my framework because mm. it's it's not who I am and what I'm all about. And that's where we have to tweak and customize these frameworks. Yeah. And I think what it gives you as well, like you say, it's not a shortcut. It's not an overnight, but what it gives you is a little more stability. And I think that it gives you longevity. Yes. Because this is a, a way of building, like you have, like I've seen in your work, iteration upon iteration. And each of that, those have left um, you with more knowledge, uh, more skills, mm -hmm. um, and each one, I think, has brought you greater satisfaction as well. And yeah, so that's definitely. what keeps you coming back as an artist. And so, and I know that when you talk about feeling like this is your path, um, even though it's it's not like, oh, that was the wrong thing, that was the wrong thing, that was the wrong thing. Okay, what I'm making today is the right thing, it's the end. I know that you have a lot of optimism and joy from the very thought that you'll still be doing this, like you're going to be doing oh, this for the I'm next 10 be, years and the I, next 10 years after that. Exactly. Honestly, and this is the truth, I have been using this framework to improve my practice for close to seven years, but I feel like I'm literally just getting started. And I have so much in me. And the thing that I want to say about that is that in the beginning, I really felt like I was like, oh, what am I going to paint? Where am I going to get ideas? I didn't know myself well enough to know what I wanted to paint. And I was lost, completely lost. I felt like there was no purpose to what I was painting. And now, not only do I feel like I have purpose, but the ideas are so abundant because they're coming from that deep source, that deep well of myself that that's why I can see visions of what to paint in the next two years. I can see the evolution already. And whenever I see a picture of someone sitting there and they're like they're 107 and they've got a smile on their face, but they don't have any teeth, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sign me up. That's me. And I'm going to have like my paints right next to me in that picture. Mm -hmm. 
So today I've been talking about my framework and I really want to encourage you to think about what you can do in your own studio to create a framework for yourself. And again, it doesn't have to be like me or any other artist for that matter. But what I would say you want to look at is definitely something that feels good to you. The most important thing is to make sure that you really genuinely connect with this process that you create for yourself. The other thing that I believe it has to have is that you want to make sure that it has a way for you to discover new information, to explore, to see things you haven't seen before, and to be able to bubble up new work, because that's really how your work is going to evolve, whether it's a technical skill or it's a purpose-driven intention of how that work evolves. The third thing that's really important to a framework or process is that it has to be repeatable. Every time we create new collections or we're trying to solve our work, we have to go through a process of finding solutions to those problems, seeing things in a new way. And so we want something that kind of grounds us into a discovery process to solve those problems, whether that's solving unfinished work or whether that's actually creating a whole new body of work. So if you're looking for support in customizing your own framework and working through this with Beck and I, I would encourage you to look in the show notes for the Origin Art waitlist page and join us over there. That's all for today. See you next time. Mm-hmm.